You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spain and Fitz. And this is a little pre-party. Uh, usually I don't have parties uh, to celebrate the day that I've had because uh, I had a day. <laughs> uh, but I do need to vent. I do need to get this out because holy cow. Okay, so let me just give you a little bit of a preface uh, to the story, which is um, I've been kind of feeling down lately. Um, I haven't really been able to like feel like I've started my new year um, I hurt my shoulder, so I haven't been able to work out. I feel kind of like, you know, pale and chunky. It's like 19 degrees here. I got nothing to look forward to. I don't have like trips or holidays or anything. So as I was like looking at the calendar yesterday, I'm like, you know what? February 1st starts on a Monday. Great day to just start fresh. So I spent several hours yesterday laying out my new sleep routine, checking off some time to read some books, workout, diet, grocery shopping list, how to find some more balance, like trying to get myself like feeling good, feeling great. Okay. Then the fortune cookie for last night's grand hurrah before the diet begins uh, said, your luck is about to change this month. So of course I shared the cookie with the dogs to make sure that they would also have a good month. I told Brad about this cookie and how it was a great sign. And I put it on the fridge, right? Your luck is about to change this month. Here I come February. All right. So it starts off fine today. I go to my physical therapy for the aforementioned shoulder issue. I feel better already. It's running late. They went late, and I've got a Zoom call I'm supposed to be on. I got to pee really bad, but I'm so late to the Zoom call that I'm like, whatever, I'll do it when I get home. So I hop into the car while I'm checking into the Zoom. Someone's waiting for the spot because there was a blizzard here. So I'm trying to frantically attach to the Zoom, get out of the spot for them in the blizzard snow that's now piled up, and put in the directions to a grocery store all at the same time. I see the grocery store I want to go to. I hit the button. It says Ashland. That's the street. Perfect. Got it. So I'm doing a Zoom call while I'm driving to the grocery on the street that's like fully blizzarded and full of snow piles. And I'm driving. And by the time I figure out that I've definitely chosen the wrong Mariano's on Ashland and I've chosen one further away from the direction that I would go home, it's too late. I'm on the Zoom. I can't plug in a new direction. I'm driving. So I'm like, whatever. It's just a couple extra minutes. No big deal. Finish the Zoom while I'm grocery shopping. Pay for the stuff. Get back to the car. And when I turn the car and it says low tire pressure, I'm like, okay, this might be one of those things where it's like cold out and it's winter. So it thinks that the tires are low, but it's really just like the cold. Uh, Start driving, go roughly uh, 10 feet. And it is absolutely not just that. It is a, it is one. Pull over in the same little inner, like mini mall thing that the Mariano's was in right in front of an O'Reilly's auto. Perfect. Great. This seems like a good sign. Yeah. This, this thing's looking up. I'm feeling things are looking up. So I call Brad because as much as I like to think that I'm a capable woman who can take care of herself, Brad gets called a lot for shit that I don't know how to do or don't want to do. Like, that's part of the reason that you get married is that someone else to do with your shit. And it used to be my parents that would get the call when I had a flat tire or AAA when I had a membership because I knew I couldn't change a tire. Funny story. When I was in high school, my tire got flat. My mom changed it and roughly... Four hours later, I was driving down the street in the middle of town, and the tire fell off my car while I was driving and bounced down the street, bounced past three junkers, turned a corner, and landed on top of a Mercedes hood. Okay. Oh, good God. Policeman comes over to the car. I'm roughly 10 feet away from the middle school, which is right in the middle of town, and there's only one street going between East and West Lake Forest, so everybody in town is passing by me on the side of the road in a blazer with no tire on it, okay? Policeman comes up, what's happening, yada, yada. I'm like, well, we did recently change the tire. My mom changed it, but it seemed fine. Well, that's what you get when you have a woman change a tire, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just the kind of humor I like. Anyway, so that wasn't very cool. So I have some issues with 
tires and I, I just let other people do it. So going to O'Reilly's and I'm like, you know, my husband's going to come and change it. There's really nothing else I can do. They're like staring at me blankly. I'm like, cool. I'm going to go wait in the car. So I'm waiting in the car. But again, remember, I didn't have time to go to the bathroom earlier. So I go into Party City right next to O'Reilly's, pretend to be looking for something, almost bought this little plastic container that looked like three mini footballs that you put snacks in. Didn't. Mm -hmm. Went to the bathroom, went back in the car, waited for Brad. He's my savior. He comes, changes the tire, looks amazing, just so hunky. What a a, a great handy husband. We get in the car. We take it to the tire place. They tell us, okay, for some reason, there's a washer in your tire. We don't know how you did that. Uh, It's a pretty big hole. We're going to patch it, but it might not take. All right, so I'm walking down the street to go get... Uh, cash, because this place only takes cash. I go to the bank, I get my cash, trying to get us lunch, because I forgot to mention, I also didn't eat at all yet today. Because I was like, I'll go after PT. It won't be that late. But now it's 2.30 and I haven't eaten a single thing all day. So I go to get a sandwich, go to get my credit card, and I go, what? Where's my Where's my credit card? Oh, God. Okay, so then I call all the places I've been, and it fell out of the pocket of my coat in Party City, in the bathroom, which I didn't even buy anything at, and I only went into because it was the place right there. And I forgot to mention that because I had accidentally put in the wrong de- directions, both of the places I was at that Brad had to Uber at to save me are 25 minutes away from my house. So now oh my, my credit card's in the bathroom at Party City, 25 minutes away. But we're all the way home already. Okay. So then the tire's sort of fixed, but probably not. They said if it seems like it's leaking, you're just going to have to get a new tire for $280. No big whoop. So then I get home. And, oh, first, we stopped for me to get coffee because I'm like, I'm not going to make it through the show without coffee. I go to pay in cash because, again, I lost my credit card at the Party City bathroom. And the woman's like, oh, my gosh, we just started taking cash again. I, I don't feel like going, listen, I'm just going to, do you, you don't have any card. You don't have a card. I'm like, no, I left my card in the bathroom at Party City 25 minutes away after I got a flat tire. And she was like, all right, listen, I'm just going to give you the coffee for free. I don't even want to deal with, like, going through the register and redoing the thing. I automatically rung it up as card. It's on us. I hope your day gets better. I'm like, sweet. Go back to Brad. I'm like, our, our, our luck is, is turning. I know where my card is. It's in the Party City bathroom. And I got free coffee. He's like, great. Our luck is turning. So I get home. I'm home for maybe 10 minutes. I'm putting away the groceries. And I look over. And my dog, Fletch, is making that noise. And then he proceeds to throw up twice all over the brand new rug that mm. is light gray slash white. Of course. But... It was shit vomit. So you know that thing where a dog doesn't go outside or can't get outside or maybe it's blizzard and they don't want to go outside. So they shit somewhere else and then they eat it to cover up that they shit in the house Uh and then they puke up the shit. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. So I call Brad from downstairs in my own house and I'm like, well, it's not over yet. The day is still going. He comes downstairs. We're like, what are we? It's, it's so bad. It's just like, it's giant piles, piles. And we look at each other and he goes, all right, just take the dogs out of here so they don't step in it. I'll get the big chunks. And then I look at him, I go, it wasn't expensive. And he's like, we just got the rug. I'm like, it wasn't that expensive. And we're like, fuck it. And we just roll up the shit vomit directly into the rug and just throw it in the alley. Just like brand new. It's like, it's like less than a month old. And I was like, I don't care. I can't. I can't spend the rest of this day cleaning up the shit vomit. And then, um, you know, my best friend just found out they have COVID. But other than that, oh, I think I'm good for the day. You know what? But also that fortune cookie was bullshit. Here's the thing. I had a, a weird and particularly <laughs> rough day. And now I feel good about it. So this was cathartic. <laughs> this was really helpful for me. Like, I, you know, I, it's, it's good. I'm sitting back saying, nah, everything's good. I didn't have to deal with shit vomit. So, like, everything's good for me. <sighs> anyway. 
My hope is that the show is great. It puts me in a great mood. I sure. go downstairs to my living room with no rug. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to plan on February 2nd being the day. Well, that's the other thing. I had my I had my yogurt ready and my salad. I didn't eat any of it because, again, I, I was dealing with the flat tire and the lost credit card and the shit vomit. So it's like tomorrow starts the day. Oh, I was supposed to start my first Peloton class today, too, when I got home. None of that happened. So anyway, I guess uh, the moral of the story is um, it's still not 2021. It is December whatever 31 plus 31 plus one is 2020. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's super week. That's right. After the months of grinding to get here, the NFL season has gotten us to Super Bowl week. It doesn't feel like it. It may not feel real, but we are now finally less than a week away from the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And Sarah, you know, as we both sit in blizzard-like conditions, it's a reminder that usually, well, you know, if you'd asked us a few months ago, we'd be hanging out in Tampa, you know, maybe enjoying a little sunshine, having our feet in the pool, going to media day. But no, none of this is normal. This is a new and different, I won't say improved, but new and different feel <laughs> to what we're used to for media week or media day as, it, as Super Week kicks off. We've been saying the word unprecedented for over a year now, I think. Yes. And here we are again with yet another unprecedented edition of something. I cannot wait for precedented times. I am looking forward. Can we forward. just ban, like, <laughs> when the world is back to normal, I never want to hear unprecedented. No, and I, I swear want, to God, I if, want anybody everything says, to be precedented. If, if anybody says out of an abundance of caution, I'm kicking them in the no-no <laughs> places. Like, I'm just done. I'm done with all of it. Uh, yeah. We're going to have some story time all week. Every day of this week, we're going to take a little chunk of time and tell some stories of previous Super Weeks that you and I have performed at or been to uh, to try to get some of that energy going because it is true. It doesn't feel like the Super Bowl is this Sunday. I usually am on a plane or already there. I usually get in at least the Sunday before. And, you know, the media day answers, maybe you got some more straight answers from people because it was a Zoom and it felt more serious, but it wasn't fun. I need someone from TV Azteca in a wedding dress proposing. I need someone dressed as a product placement mascot. I need the hubbub and the wildness of it all. Imagine if it had been like this for Marshawn Lynch and his background had just said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. He wouldn't have even had to say the words. What good is that? I mean, you're right. He could just point to the sign behind him right. the whole time. But, you know, the funny thing is every year I feel like at media day, there's some some curmudgeon that's going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, these things are a joke and blah, blah, blah. But you're right. What makes it interesting is seeing whether it's something out of the ordinary or a kid that's asking questions or whatever it is. Like there are media day moments that really make the entire event feel special. And it's got to feel like there's a little bit of hype behind it, not just for us, not just for fans watching, but also, frankly, for players like part of the appeal of all. All of this is you're walking into this circus show and it's a, a little bit sideshow with a little bit of football involved in it. And you'll get to see a different side to the athletes because no matter how much they're prepared to be media savvy, they will get caught off guard by something that happens at media day. That's not really the opportunity anybody has when you're on a Zoom call with everybody. And, and look, <laughs> yeah, but go, go ahead. No, it's great that they still made themselves available. Like, I right. get well, that, they but, have to because they yeah, got to right, be there just, so they don't like, get fined. But it is just, it is about as plain as generic uh, Wonder Bread. What I was was thinking was, okay, so you're right. You don't have the hubbub of people around you. The excitement isn't 
in the air of this massive stadium. And they started selling tickets for it in the last couple of years, too. So fans were at Media Day yelling things and upping the ante. They were marching bands and musical performance. I mean, it was a wild thing. But you got to think that it doesn't matter. You strip it all away, and it's still super weak. So I bet that when we hear from these quarterbacks, they've still got that energy. of They're still bringing it because this is the Super Bowl, man. This is what you worked your whole life for. Let's hear what Tom Brady had to say today. It'd just be cool to accomplish it this time. I don't compare them to the other times. Those were all magical moments in my life, and no one could ever take those away from me. And uh, hopefully we can finish this season strong and, you know, win a Super Bowl. That's why we're here. That's why we're playing and uh, make for a, a really magical season for us. Me. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry. It's a really long day. Um, but he's been there. He's been there so many times, Fitz. I mean, may- maybe it's tough for him to get ex- – because he's been there so many – Patrick Mahomes, this is only his second Super Bowl, and he it's very early in his career. Let- let's see what he had to say about his conversations with uh, with Brady after the AFC Championship in 2018. For me, I think it was important because it, it showed that I was doing things the right way. As a young quarterback in this league, um, you, you, you kind of go in, and you, you show up early, and you try to put in the time and put in the work. Um, but you don't really know until you get to that 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 spot of where you want to be at. And uh, losing an AFC Championship game, obviously, I didn't get to the Super Bowl. But then him uh, coming in and kind of just just saying that uh, he respected what I was doing and how I was playing on the field and the type of person that I was, um, it, it kind of just put that stamp on me that I needed to go in and even be better uh, in order to get to the Super Bowl, which we did last year. And uh, I was just trying to keep improving and keep getting better every single day. I mean, sir, sir, you got to wake oh, up. You got to wake oh, up. So sorry. Uh, was he still talking? Did he did you he know, say we take it one day at a time? Did he say this is yes. what you dream of? Did he say we just want to go out there and win a Super Bowl? That's what we've been working for? I'm pretty sure we cut him off before we got to it's a team sport, and I'm just here oh, to do the best I can oh, for everybody around. Look, yeah. I, I realize, and everybody you know knows that I'm far from professional. I get that. But <laughs> I still think back to my first time being around the Super Bowl. And you know, at the time, I was just a baby podcast that had just started out, and I was trying to grow it. And I mean, I remember doing podcast episodes where I couldn't sit down. I was so excited just talking about being around the Super Bowl. And I didn't even play in the damn thing, obviously. I just went, right? I was just around the environment. And to hear everybody just be like, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to do everything we can to uh, have the best game that we can. And I really respect my opponent. I mean, good God. the That's level the of kind the- of training that I don't understand. I get ice baths, sit-ups, planks. I get all that. What I don't get is the kind of training that allows every quarterback to be the most boring human on earth. It just that takes won- work. Like one, oh my God, how freaking cool is this? Like that's all I want. Like we need Baker Mayfield. We need Baker Mayfield in the Super Bowl, and we need we need Baker versus Gardner Minshew is what we need. Honestly, I mean that you you realize that I don't even know if that game would be any good. Who cares? Super (laughs) Bowl week would be magical. That would be. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Obviously, by the way, with all the Super Bowl conversation, there is some COVID conversation around it. And this is something that, you know, you and I talked late last week about what the ramifications could be and why the NFL had not done any sort of bubble, which I found to be a confusing decision. Well, uh, this is not yet out for the game, but we do know we have our first coronavirus-related disruption. 
as Kansas City Chiefs had placed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and center Daniel Kilgore on their COVID-19 reserve list. They did not test positive, but they are on the list after being classified as high-risk close contacts. So now they'll be separated from everybody as we're used to. They won't be able to practice with anybody, so they'll have no opportunity to prep. And we don't know yet if it will impact them in the game. If they don't test positive for it between now and the game, they still have the opportunity to play. But we'll see how that plays forward. This is still the beginning of a nightmare scenario of COVID possibly impacting the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, beyond that, uh, Kilgore was a backup, wasn't expected to start. Uh, Robinson has been pretty reliable, has 466 receiving yards and three touchdowns this year, but they obviously have a ton of other weapons. More importantly, probably, is if any other players have to be put on that list because of close contact tracing. Also interesting, because this is super weak in a completely different way than ever before, they're not in Tampa, right? Um, According to this, it sounds like they won't leave till Saturday, right? Um, which would, which would be wild, uh, to not travel until just before, um, which is completely different. Usually you're there all week. And so, um, that, that of course affects how they handle this stuff too, is, is how are they meeting? Where are they meeting? What are their protocols right now before they even make the travel to Tampa? Well, and, and everything at this point seems to be about controlled environment. What do they have to do to try and keep everybody in the safest situation possible, but it's still not a bubble, so there's always risk. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We're just getting started on the football talk. The first domino fell in what promises to be a wild quarterback offseason. We'll give you winners and losers and what it all means next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Now, I tell you all the time you should, but today we did a pre uh, a little pre-show hang. And let me tell you, if you think you've had a weird day, you've had nothing compared to Sarah Spain. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, we, we got a little <laughs> bit of an insight into the great unusual world of Sarah Spain today. And I'm telling you, it's worth the listen right there. So wherever you get your podcast, go out and subscribe uh, just to hear, you know, uh, a little bit of naughty word. And, uh, and, and to feel better stories. about their day, to be honest, because yeah. yeah. I can almost guarantee... Not like big picture stuff, but if, if you just like stubbed your toe a couple times or like, you know, forgot your sandwich on top of your car, just go ahead and listen to today in the pre-party and you'll feel a whole lot better about whatever you have going on. It's true. I had a, a particularly off day today and then I listened to Sarah and I was like, no, I'm good. Everything's good. Uh, let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Not having a bad day would be Matt Stafford as the quarterback of the Lions has been traded to the Rams. And so there are some important details in here. Matt Stafford goes to the Rams, and then in exchange, the Lions get the Rams' first-round draft picks in 2022-23 and a third-round pick in 2021. They also get Jared Goff. So this feels to some like a quarterback-for-quarterback swap with some extra bonuses, Sarah, but I think it's smart to point out that that's not exactly what we've got here. Yeah, I think the best I heard someone try to explain it in one sentence was this is like an NBA trade, and it's not exactly, but the thinking is there, which is they wanted out from under the deal that they owed Stafford, a four-year, $130 million extension that hasn't started yet, okay? They decided they're out on this guy. They decided they can't win with this guy, and they looked ahead and said, we have four years, $130 million, $53 million in cost over the next two seasons. We're not going to be able to trade him in a meaningful way, one for one. And we don't want to hang on to him. So what we want to do is figure out the place that will take him off our hands. And that's why it ended up 
that Goff ends up in Detroit with lots of other pieces. And I was listening this morning to Bill Barnwell, who's so brilliant on this stuff, on ESPN Daily. I was supposed to be his week off, and Pablo apologized. He said, I'm so sorry. We've brought you back, but we need you to explain this. And he had so many great and smart tidbits, including that the new GM of the Lions, Brad Holmes, just left the Rams after eight years as the director of college scouting under Lesnead, and he's the one who's taking on Goff and seeing what he can do with them, including that, you know, there's any number of ways to look at the way the Rams have handled their first-round picks in the past and how they're now handling them in this trade to realize their value at least in the eyes of those in charge of the Rams. But also he said of Goff going to Detroit, quote, Goff was not a significant part of the compensation going to Detroit. I.E., don't be surprised if the Lions up and trade him right away. Don't be surprised if they see what they got for a year, maybe. Presume that they're not going to be contending with Goff. Probably not going to be bad enough to get picks one through three, but not good enough to compete. And then they'll go see what they can get. With the with the assets. But it, it's pretty remarkable to look at a guy who was just in the Super Bowl and who has not yet started the aforementioned four-year $130 million extension and is already essentially dead weight that you had to take things away from, give something away with, in order for someone to take him. This is part of the reason why I can't say this loud enough. I would give a standing ovation and do cartwheels down the street all to credit the Rams for making this trade happen. And I know a lot of people are reacting about the quarterback portion of it and the future draft picks. But as Field Yates pointed out on Twitter, the Rams' first-round picks by year in 2016 was Jared Goff. He's no longer with the team. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23, they will have none. And through this entire process, the Rams have managed to continue to win football games. They've made the playoffs three of the last four years, and I understand that they put themselves up against it in some ways with the salary cap situation. But realistically, this is a reminder to everybody, if your scouting department can find great prospects in the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds of the draft, then it doesn't necessarily hurt you as much if you're losing first-round equity. The Rams have managed to get themselves out of a contract contract that now looks like a bad one for a quarterback that now looks like he can't be trusted. In the meantime, they continue to contend for the division. They continue to be a playoff caliber uh, football team. They will be better next year because of it. And they've done all of this at the same time, giving up draft equity. Kudos to them for being able to remain relevant in this Mm. process and for being as good as they've been. I mostly agree with you. I think the jury's, I think the jury's still out right now. Right now, you're right, right? They're, they're managing to stay in it, and they're figuring out how to bring in the pieces, and they're not going to give up this window. Now, their defense is losing four starters to free agency. They, lo- they just lost their defensive coordinator, so it will be interesting to see if they can carry on the success and if inserting Matt Stafford is that thing that gets them over the edge, right? They were just in a Super Bowl two years ago. But to your point about the picks, if they pull it off, great. But listen, they have no first-round picks until 2024, They gave up two firsts, two seconds, two thirds to get Goff and signed him to an extension earlier than necessary. Now he will be traded before the extension even starts with two more first round picks and a third round pick. That's essentially saying that to get Goff and get rid of him, now you've spent four first round picks, two seconds and three thirds. And that That is is a lot to give up. To either get or give away somebody, and you better stay successful because otherwise we're giving way too much credit to management, presuming that they know what they're doing, when in the end it might turn Texans. Do you remember the Texans saying, we need to give this away for Laramie Tunsil, we need to give this away, and this, and look where they are now. 
Those are all really fair points, Sarah. And and you're right that obviously what part of this is to, to a flaw for me. At times, I don't really take into account the cost of acquisition for a player because to me, that's money already spent. Like I'm the worst. I'm the worst about spending money. You know that I'm incredibly <laughs> frugal. I like except to for say. now when you like to dabble. Well, yeah, but you know, hey, I'm break even so Speaking far. Speaking of, let's I'm thinking go. about dabbling for the Super Bowl, so let's chat about it this week. Oh my God, yes, uh, I'm gonna do but, some dabbling. Uh, the the I am incredibly cheap, but once I've spent the money, I never my mind doesn't linger on it. Like the money's out the door already, so whatever it is, it is. Let's move forward. And sometimes I take that into my player analysis too. So while you're right that they gave up way too much to get off, I think there's this moment where you look at it and say, okay, you can't keep chasing bad money or, or good money after bad, right? So if it already looks like that's lost and that's water under the bridge, now you got to get out of it. I, that's the impressive part to me is that. They get out of it with a quarterback that still has so, several years of play in front of him, presuming I know he can stay healthy, but he's going in to such a good situation. But you also make a great point that all of this was sort of built by this regime. Mike Tannenbaum, our ESPN NFL front office, was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning and really mentioned that we need to have some accountability for Sean McVay. In my opinion, Sean McVay does not get a free pass. If I'm Les Steed, I go into a room and I say, you know what, we're going to make this trade extremely reluctantly because two years ago you told me that Jared Goff's the guy we could go win with. We paid him $135 million, almost half of which was guaranteed. And now as a coach, two years later, you can't win with this guy. So Mm -hmm. we're going to make this trade. But as a coach, you should be a problem solver. And I don't disagree with anything you said. Yeah, I mean, I think we decide the winners sometimes and the smart people in these things well in advance of, of the actual outcome. And in this case, we've decided that Goff is the enemy, even though he was very recently in a Super Bowl and had some very high points. And we decided that McVay is the genius. That's yet to be seen. Listen, you can look at this offense and say, if you get someone in there that's got a stronger arm in Stafford, that opens up the vertical game. You can use that sort of play action, heavy, outside zone, heavy offense. You could put Stafford in there and see how it can excel. Or we could find out that we've been giving McVay way too much credit and it's partly on him that they weren't able to make Goff into the man that they thought he could be at times that he was. Well, and benefit of the doubt is such a curious thing in every organization. It feels like somebody always gets it, and then in the, in that process, more often than not, somebody else loses it. And that's, I think, one of the more curious things we've seen even in Tampa Bay as we get into the Super Bowl throughout the course of the, the year. Who should get the benefit of the doubt for why things were going right or wrong sort of shifted week by week. You're totally right that we've given all of the benefit of the doubt to Sean McVay. So now he gets Matt Stafford, who obviously uh, has a lot of expectation coming with him. If it works out, then McVay's going to look brilliant. If it doesn't, this is the sort of transaction that will cost him his job. I mean, I don't think there's any in-between. I don't think they could just be okay without McVay sort of being railed uh, and and hit the perception on him changing. Well, and that's part of the problem with what we do, and we'll fully admit it as as bloviating gas bags. We have to point fingers at somebody and applaud someone else. There is no gray area. There is no (laughs) – well, it's probably on both of them and a little bit of the rest of the team since football is a team sport and the quarterback isn't out arm wrestling the other quarterback. But we don't do that very often, right? We decide who we think is the one to be trusted and who is the one to be blamed. And you know what? For golf, this is a very interesting time for him. I think a lot of people would say he's going to a place that now has a coach who's probably not a great fit for him in the in the new offensive coordinator. So we'll see. That's some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. Coming up, we'll talk Super Bowl with the former Buck on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Welcome back to Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Make sure you subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh... 
It's a unique pre-party today. I'll leave it at that. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline, Gerald McCoy played for the Bucks for eight seasons, is a current free agent. Lots to add, I'm sure, about Tampa making it to the Super Bowl. Gerald, thanks for the time. Yeah, of course. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? We can hear we got you. you. Okay. All right. First, I have to ask this. As someone who spent so much time with the Bucks, and uh, you're watching from afar as Brady comes in and now they make it all the way, is it in, is it fun for you? Are you excited for the franchise? Or is a part of you like, man, that would have been cool. I'd like to do that. <laughs> uh, it's a little of both. Uh, one, just the competitor in me and, you know, the Bucks giving me an opportunity to make my dream a reality of being in the NFL. I wanted to do my best and did my best to the organization or, you know, change the culture and bring winning, winning to the culture and to the organization. But one thing that people may not know that a lot of people, if you follow me, know, I grew up a Buccaneers fan. And uh, when I was drafted there, I was so excited because I, I remember when I was a kid sneaking out of night service and going into the pastor's office with his son and watching the Bucks in the Super Bowl versus the Raiders. So I've always been a Bucks fan growing up, and I'm still a Bucks fan. You know, we separate, we parted ways. And we had our issues then, but we I've talked to the people behind the scenes, and we worked it out. So I'm rooting for these guys, man. It's great to see. Um, my youngest, his son, I mean his son, my son, <laughs> uh, Levante David, is his god, is his god dad. So oh, great. I have – family members there. I remember last year when I was with Carolina, this, uh, my son's senior night, I had, um, I don't know if it was a story that was out there. Um, some of my teammates wouldn't stood in for me because I couldn't be there. That's the type of relationship I have with these guys. So I'm excited for them, man. I, I, I know that I've worked my entire life to experience what they're experiencing. So I know that they had, and they're getting the opportunity and I'm excited for them. So for the guys that you're talking about, and I remember that story last night, last year, a really cool moment for those guys to stand in for you, Gerald. Uh, what's it like for them to play in Tampa for the Super Bowl? Like, that's never happened before. I know the stadium's not going to be full, but is there a different vibe to being at home for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I believe that there is. You know, um, there's the comfort of your own locker room. You know, you don't have to get – you don't have to go through travel protocol and go through the long week of – this and do this and do that and have to be at this hotel and then switch hotels the night before so you can be further away and all, you know, just all the stuff that goes into Super Bowl week. And um, you get to go home, sleep in your own bed, come to work to your own facility, your own training room, your own cold tub, hot tub, sit in your locker all week. And then on game day, you go around the corner to Raymond James. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) Um, it doesn't get any better than that. And, how great will it feel to be at home in your stadium holding up the Lombardi? Yeah. That's got to be excellent because right after that, you know what you get to do? You ain't got to go back to the hotel. <laughs> you don't have to go pack your bags. You get to go home. <laughs> you just go home. I'm sure there will be some celebrating, but you can do it at your own house. How great is that? That's got to be a wonderful feeling. Yeah, pretty awesome opportunity for those guys. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to former Buck Gerald McCoy, free agent now, spent some time with the Panthers and the Cowboys. Six-time Pro Bowler. Okay, so we we didn't get a Pro Bowl this year. 
And I don't really care about the game itself, Gerald, but I like hearing when people find out other people's rooms and charge a bunch of stuff to them, especially the rookies. Do you have any good Pro Bowl stories of those pranks that always happen up there? You know, I feel like uh, when I first started going, all those pranks kind of ceased. You know, like um, um, Peyton Manning, though, he did, you know, Peyton Manning is great on TV. You know, he's great on Saturday Night Live and he's, he's you know, he's a one, he's really a really good comedian, man. And he did like this little monologue and um, he was telling jokes or whatever. And he was like, I got some necessary info for you guys to know. And he started giving out, this room is going to be here. This room is going to be here. If you need hospitality, it's in this room. And oh, by the way, here are the rookies at the Pro Bowl. Here are the room numbers. <laughs> and he just like gave off the list of all the rookies' room numbers, the first first timers, and it was hilarious. It was it was hilarious. He didn't say he didn't say me, so I was excited. But you know, he did give out some room numbers, so I don't know if anybody's room got charged, but the info definitely got out. We're talking to Gerald McCoy. Uh, so Gerald, obviously, this whole game, everybody makes it about the quarterback. So I'll ask you, uh, with all of your greatness on the field. If you got to go up against one, Brady or Mahomes, which one would you rather face? Ooh. Ooh. That's a really good question. <laughs> right now, Ooh, too. Not, not peak. Right now in this. Yeah, so right 43-year-old Brady or 25-year-old Mahomes. With the same weapons? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Brady. Hmm? I'm going to pick Brady. I've, and I, and I, and I, I, would, I don't bet against him. But the same token, as talented as Mike Evans is, as talented as A.B. is, as talented as Gronk is, as talented as Mike Godwin is. I mean, Chris Godwin, I said Mike. I'm thinking of Mike Evans. As talented as Chris Godwin is and Cameron Braid and all these guys, Patrick Mahomes has the best weapon in the NFL. Tyreek Hill is not a – he's not just a receiver. He's a weapon. You put him anywhere. He can return. He can be a running back. He can be a slot. He can split him out. He might can block. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. Travis Kelsey is now he's entering into the goat tight end conversation. Like he he's he's incredible. And then you got Patrick Mahomes who can throw from any angle. He can throw from the five all the way to the other five. Like he can do stuff <laughs> with his arm that we just ain't seen. And then you got the best play caller I've ever seen in my in my personal opinion, the Andy Reid. That ain't something I would want to deal with as a defense. <laughs> yeah, I would much rather go against the Bucks offense. And the Bucks off it's not like the Bucks offense is extremely explosive. Right. That's the crazy part. They got so many weapons. And you still I still would rather go against them than have to face Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey with Patrick Mahomes uh getting all the snaps. Yeah, I think we're not sure if Brady can throw over them mountains, but we know Patrick Mahomes can. So that's, I think, the deciding Man, point there, just like Uncle Rico. Uh, we're talking yeah. to Gerald McCoy, former Buck here on Spain and Fitz. You know, you played with Jason Pierre-Paul. What an interesting guy and what an interesting career and story. Can you tell us more about him and his preparation and uh, what it was like to be alongside him? Well, we used to call him Gumby. <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, it was because of, He's, when he's moving around on the field, he can do things that other people can't do. His body moves in a way that it shouldn't move, and it moves like Gumby. You know, Gumby, like when he kind of walks, it's just like kind of all over the place. Right. But he's ultra flexible, and he's just so resilient, man. I remember we were playing the Giants in 2018, 
and he went for a tackle and a pile fell on him and his head literally touched his foot. Like, and he got up and he was holding his knee and he went to the sideline. He said something happened to his knee. And he came back in the game. <laughs> they said something was wrong with his knee. And he was like, I'm going to sit out during the week and not practice. I'll be ready on Sunday. Came out on Sunday, balled out. And he did that all year. He had this ache in him and that ache in him. And you wouldn't see him practice. And you wouldn't see him around. And he'd show up out of nowhere just on Sunday, killing it. And I'm like, man, this dude is incredible. <laughs> He's just a baller, man. Like, And he'll tell you that. He said, gee, I just ball, man. Yeah. Well, you add to that, the car accident. You know? I'm going to make plays. That's right. just how he feels. I'm going to make plays. That's just me. He's incredible, man. He can do everything. Yeah, Fitz, he had the car accident he broke his neck in, and then he had the fireworks incident with his hand. It's like he's got nine lives, right, for coming back from everything. It's pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm telling you, he's extremely resilient, man. It's just – and I've seen him go through stuff where he was, like, in pain. You like, you could clearly see he couldn't move like he should have. But on Sunday, it's just like he got this – whatever his why is, he sticks to it. And his why – Whatever it is, we always – that's a term we use in football. Know your why. Why are you doing this? Whatever his is, it drives him because he doesn't feel pain on Sundays. He just goes, man, and, and, and it's incredible to see. Awesome stuff. Uh, well, we know who you'll be rooting for. You told us already, so we hope you enjoy. Are you going to get a chance to go to the game? There's so few spots, but I, I would imagine you'd be top of the list for the Bucks to get you in. <laughs> No, no, I'm going to sit at home. I told myself, as long as I'm still playing, I will never go to a Super Bowl unless I'm playing in it. Amen. That's a pretty That's common awesome. thing for a yeah. lot of players. Uh, awesome. Well, good luck mm-hmm. with the free agency. Good luck with the rehab from your injury, and we appreciate the time, Gerald. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, and I got bucks by 10. Woo! All right, we'll write it right. down. We right should start down. Fitz now. we gotta, we got to write down our picks all week and figure out uh, who gets bucks the closest. Bucks by 10 points. Bucks by 10. We got you down for that. Uh, Checks in the mail if you win. I don't know what it's going to be for, but um, it's just a fun thing to say. Uh, Thanks, Gerald. Thanks, Gerald. We appreciate you. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Good stuff. Gerald McCoy, former Buck, brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven, coming up on Spain and Fitz. One of the funniest things I heard all weekend, and it has a tie to the Super Bowl. It's next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You listen to this show right here. You know that Fitz and I are Saturday Night Live connoisseurs. We love it. It's inconsistent. It's up and down. It's not always great these days. A lot of nostalgia involved in looking back and seeing some of the old ones. But this season opener that just started this past Saturday, start to finish, in my opinion, hilarious. So good. Just tons of great sketches, tons of things that I think will be working for years to come. And that included the Open. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're brought to you by My Computer Career, Training for a Better Life. And Fitz, you know that like sometimes before the show, we'll just check in with each other. And I'm usually uh, somewhere between things are fine and like I might have a breakdown. What's going on? (laughs) Well, uh, more recently, there's been a lot of like I might have a breakdown. And some of that is because some of the institutions and standards that we have had our entire lives seem to be crumbling right before our very eyes. And it's no longer possible to see that there is a clear right and wrong or that things really make sense. Uh, One of those is uh, Georgia rep Marjorie Taylor Greene. I won't get into the politics of it all. I'll just say uh, Jewish laser beams cause forest fires. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the point is I've been having a lot of trouble wrapping my mind around uh, some people who remain employed. And the start of the show was called What Still Works. 
And the great Kate McKinnon comes on essentially as herself and says, it's a new year, new administration. Let's see what still works. And she goes through, uh, you know, government. And the answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, O.J. Simpson (laughs) comes in to represent the vaccine distribution. Not working, right? We've got uh, the stock market explained by the head of GameStop, uh, who calls them stonks. And then we've got uh, the people who run Twitter and Facebook. Definitely not working. So it closes with this exchange where she's trying to figure out if maybe the man who is back for yet another Super Bowl, Tom Brady, might be the only thing in America that still works. Cool. And our last topic tonight, Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady working? Here with his thoughts is Tom Brady. Now, Tom, this is your 10th Super Bowl appearance. That's right. You're 43 years old, but you look 27. I haven't eaten sugar in 15 years. Uh You went to historically one of the worst franchises in football, and in your first year, you took them all the way to the championship. That's right, but it's really a team effort, you know? No, no. Don't even try it. No one believes there is anyone else on the team. My point is, you still work. Yeah. You're supposed to win football games, and you just keep winning football games. Yeah. You might be the only thing in America that still works. Yeah. So I guess everyone must be rooting for you, right? Almost no one. Well, you know what? I'll be rooting for you, Tom Brady, because you're the only guy thing this country can still rely on and it's not like you're a weird trump guy or anything right thanks for having me ah <laughs> uh, there's the dismount so that oh, that well was done. the end of the open they even got some sports in there uh tom brady might be the only thing that still works you know what else still works though rob gronkowski being rob gronkowski and this was a little bit a little tiny hit just a tiny hit of the good stuff from Gronk today at the weird zoom media day. So I'm going to be honest, like I've done it and uh, it, you know, it, it does get you a little excited. It, it gets the juices going flowing when you just walk into a room, like a stadium, like a, a arena actually. And there's fans in the stands just to watch you talk, just to watch you be at media day. Uh, and just so many reporters around. It gets the juices flowing big time. I mean, I'm just sitting here in a room by myself right now. Like, there's no one around. So, like, the juices aren't as flowing as much as if you're in a room with media people going crazy, asking questions, fans cheering, music going. Uh, But, I mean, the juices still are flowing. It still is Super Bowl week, but it is totally different. Yep. Oh, my God. That's it. The juices, man. The juices. That is... (laughs) Gronk is a gift that keeps on giving, you know, and we're going to get into stories. I know over the course of the week with the Super Bowl, I know you probably got plenty of plenty of Gronk stories. I've got one. And, uh, you know, but as I watched that Zoom today, I just kept thinking that that's the win, you know, for Tampa Bay to come back into the Super Bowl. Part of what we hoped for was we were going to get the opportunity not just to see Tom play, but also to see Gronk in his finest hour. And, and that is just a small reason why I'm happy he's back in the league. <laughs> we didn't get as much as we normally would. Gronk on a Zoom is not the same as Gronk with a crowd. You know, he's a man that knows how to work a crowd. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. It's super week. It doesn't feel like super week. So all week, we're going to take a little bit of time during each show and share some stories of previous super weeks that we've attended, or in Fitz's case, performed at, just to remind ourselves of the before times when there were parties and good things happened. Uh, I'll start quickly uh, with 
a, a, a Super Bowl event that happened, I believe now, man, 11 years ago, which is oh. wild, maybe 10. Uh, whenever the Super Bowl was in Indianapolis, okay, I'm working the red carpet for the website I work for, interviewing people going into a Dwight Freeney Super Bowl party. And I'm done filming. Red carpet is closed. I've been hinted at, I've been told by someone that Michael Jordan is there in a VIP area and that no one has been alerted to his presence and he's by himself. So I sidle on over. This is a story I've told before, so I'll make it quick. I sidle on over and there he is. There's but a tiny velvet rope separating me from the greatest (laughs) player of all time and the only human being that I've ever been a complete lunatic stalker for. I walk over. I ask, oh, hi, excuse me. Uh, Would you be willing to take a picture with me? I'm so sorry to bother you. Just really quick. Oh, no, that's good. I'm so sorry. I'm just, you know, trying to relax. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Listen, I I know how much you get bothered for this. I read David Halberstram's Playing for Keeps, and I really do have a lot of empathy for your life and how you don't get to just move around like a normal person. But the thing is, anyone who's met me for even five seconds has probably heard me say how much I love you. And the first time we met, which was at Gold Coast Multiplex Gym in Chicago a number of years ago, I briefly spoke to you. You were there to play basketball. I forgot to sign up in time, so we didn't get to play pickup together. We didn't take a picture because there was no camera. I had no proof, and I told everyone that I met you, and I didn't have any proof. So if we just took a picture right now, everyone would know that I finally met you. He's like, ha, ha, ha. It's very nice. I continued. I used to drive to your house and stand on top of my car and look over your gate and see if you were in the front yard. I had a plan once that on Halloween I was going to show up at your house and then fake a seizure. So you'd need to bring me inside with, you know, and hang out with me until the the ambulance or my family arrived. This was a plan I had as a child to fake a seizure while trick or treating so that I could hang out with you. When you got divorced, my mom emailed me and said there's still a chance. Okay, he is now laughing a lot, uh, but still trying to hold ground. And finally he gives it. He's like, all right, come on in. So he's with Charles Oakley, only other person in there. Security guard hates me. He's been trying to get me to leave this whole time. Charles Oakley takes the picture, his thumbs in the corner, but not blocking the majesty that is me, looking like I'm going to crap my pants, sitting next to the greatest of all time. And that has got to be my number one Super Bowl moment. Okay, that's incredible. And there's nothing I can even remotely be in the same category with. I'll start my Super Bowl (laughs) stories with my first uh, ever attended moment. And so for me, it was... Uh, around media week and I just started my podcast and John McClain from the Houston Chronicle was helping me out in general and he just called and said hey if you can get to New Orleans I'll get you into media days and you can hang out just see what it's all about and I was so new to everything we went down to New Orleans we're hanging out I'm walking around beforehand and of course there was free Gatorade somewhere and so that's what really drew us into the room we walk in because we're like (laughs) oh I'm thirsty there's free Gatorade I sit down and then on the all of the chairs were the Pepsi logo and I was like what is this and next thing you know we're sitting there (gasps) And all of a sudden, Beyonce walks out. Whoa. And she sings the national anthem. It was right Whoa. after the lip sync controversy. We were like 10 rows back, right? Sings the national anthem right after the lip sync controversy. She finishes the national anthem and she says, All right, any questions? And the whole room just sat there silent. Like they were ready to jump all over. I didn't even know I was walking into the press conference. Next thing you know, I'm watching Beyonce with an American flag behind her sing the national anthem. That was my first introduction to anything around media days. And then I did a hit on the local Nashville station one day where I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm on local radio in Nashville. So I always think of that moment because that was the first Super Bowl moment for me. That's one of the things I never knew about until I started going to cover Super Bowls is that the musical act, the halftime act, often will perform at that press conference. So if you're in there, you get it's you know still a couple hundred people, but you get sort of a small show of that group, usually stripped down, kind of acoustic style. Very cool. I have some fun uh, uh, stories from Radio Row as well. We'll we'll get to those later in the week. You gotta start with the goat. Uh, coming up, we get to talk to someone who saw talent from Patrick Mahomes close up before any of us. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.
It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Got a great pre-show today that you will not forget. I'm just saying they are pretty <laughs> memorable when they happen. Shocking. You There's might a lot even of goodness smell in it. it. <laughs> it will linger with you for a long time. All right. Speaking of the Goodyear Hotline, let's head over there now where we're joined by Adam Cook, Patrick Mahomes High School coach. Uh, coach, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Sarah uh, brought me brought this to light for me earlier today when we were talking about it. One of the best stories from last year in the Super Bowl was that uh, you needed some help getting a ticket. Couldn't find one, and Cliff Kingsbury was able to help you out. So let's start with the important stuff here. Have you found a ticket to get into the Super Bowl yet for this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't this year. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, to, I'm really looking forward to watching the game with my uh, my boys. I've got two boys. I've got one that's going to be 17 this month, and I've got a little 13-year-old. And so I actually last Monday texted Coach Kingsbury and thanked him for uh, helping me out last year to go to the game and told him I was really good, looking forward to watching it here with our boys and kind of reminiscing and talking about you know, how an old field house rat helped me go to the game last year. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different this year. Not only the, the cost for the few people that will make it in, but the experience. So maybe spending with your boys might even be better. Um, you are now the athletic director. Are you still doing some coaching or have you moved on from actually being out there with the guys on the field? Well, when I get asked this question, I'm coaching, but I'm coaching coaches now more than you know, I'm not mm. coaching any kids. So I don't coach any sports. Uh, but I'm just coaching uh, our coaches that are here and hiring those guys. I actually went out to the tennis courts today. Coaches asked me to come out and speak to the kids as they're uh, beginning their spring season. And so from time to time, I get to go out and speak to some of the kids. But as far as coaching them on a daily basis, Sarah, I don't do that anymore. So, Adam, go back to your time with Mahomes and, uh, you know, as, as many players as you've been around, was there something special that you saw in him even then? Uh, without a doubt, there was something <laughs> special we saw in Patrick. You know, at a very young age, my first, I guess, uh, remembrance of seeing Patrick would have been when he was in about the fifth or sixth grade. He came to one of our quarterback camps. I was coaching the quarterbacks then at that time and running our camps during the summer. And you could tell really quick that, you know, he had a great, talented arm. And uh, but Patrick was a special athlete. He starred in baseball in basketball and in football when he was with us in high school. He actually was a starting point guard as a freshman. And so Patrick was just as special of a player as what you see now in the NFL as what he was in high school. Just, you know, raw. Um, he's had a lot better football coaching since he had me with having Coach Kingsbury <laughs> and now Andy Reid is coaching him. Uh, but he was a phenomenal athlete then as well as he is now. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to White House High School Athletic Director Adam Cook, who used to coach Patrick Mahomes back in high school, now linked to him forever. So, you know, when we were hearing about this Patrick Mahomes guy and they said, you know, we're ready to move on from Alex Smith and, and let Mahomes take over, there were some pretty prominent voices saying, you're crazy. Alex Smith is, you know, getting it together. We don't know anything about this kid. Were you surprised that he even sat for as long as he did? Or was there a pretty big leap between the guy that entered the NFL and the guy that we see now? I, you know, to say was I surprised. I mean, I knew that whenever Patrick was presented with the opportunity to get on out onto the field, I knew that he was going to uh, take advantage of it. I knew that you would begin to see some of the things that we see with the way he's able to extend the play. Um, you know, didn't know that you'd see the no-look pass and some of those other things. But I, but I knew when he, he got that opportunity, you would – uh, that he would take advantage of it. But I also knew that he was coming into a system where 
you know, it was important to Coach Reed that the timing was right. I think that there were some things in that first year that he needed to learn, if that makes sense. And, and you know, there, there was no – I don't feel like there could have been a better situation for Patrick to fall into. And so, you know, when he was going to get to play, really didn't know when that was going to be or foresee it, but just knew that when he got a chance that he would make the most of it. Coach, a lot of times it takes a village to sort of get greatness out of NFL players. A lot of people along the way guide them. And obviously Patrick has had multiple transitions. When he got into the college game, what kind of uh, advice did you give him even then on how to adapt to the next level of football? Well, you know, one of the things that early on with Patrick we would talk about a lot of time was really knowing when to give up on a play. Um, you know, more so than what he does now. Every once in a while, you'll see him, you know, do something where he's escaping the pocket, buying time. He's always looked downfield when he's looking to, you know, make that play. Unlike a lot of other quarterbacks that you hear that are runners, they extend the play, they're doing it with their feet. I mean, you know, play's broken up. That DB that thought that he had that guy covered, now he's not covered. And, you know, so so he, he, he did it in a different way. But the thing we always, always you know, tried to get across to Patrick was just getting that clock in his head and knowing when to give up on a play and, you know, when not to quit turning and moving backwards. Now that, he's kind of slowed down a little bit on that. You don't see him running near as much as what he did when he was in high school. But that was probably the biggest point that I gave him. You know, and with Patrick playing multiple sports, the amount of time that he got to spend – on just working at quarterback, you know, really wasn't what it, you know, it, it, I guess that opened up. He had more time when he got to Tech, and he's just playing that in the first year he's playing baseball. And then, of course, when he just goes straight to football. So that was always, you know, a bit of a, um, I guess, a struggle was just him getting, and I don't know if I'd really even call it a struggle because that's what's helped his game out is that he has so many different sports that you see out there. Uh, but we always knew that once he got to get into a real off season, I guess that that you would then see him, uh, you know, but uh, doing some things. But never did we ever. You know, one of the things I tried not to do, guys, was not overcoach the kid and just let him play. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear he matured as a an athlete and a football player because he didn't start at quarterback until a junior year, right, in high school. Um, so, so clearly that it took some time for the focus on the sport and everything else to catch up. What about maturity as a person? He is a beloved guy in Kansas City and in the NFL for being, you know, just the kind of role model and guy you'd want to take that helm as the, as the best in the league. Uh, what about when he was in high school? Was he a prankster? Did he talk when you were talking? What kind of did it? Can you have any good stories about, you know, punky, punky Mahomes? No, I mean, he was he was just such a great kid. He was a kid that you wanted in the locker room. Maturity is what you start this question out with. And he was, you know, very mature for his age. Um, he knew when to play around uh, and when not to. Never was he one that was talking when you, you know, you were talking. He he knew to hone in. You know, I think it's Ray Lewis to say, you know, the, the – the key to, you know, respect is never to disrespect people. And Patrick has always understood that locker room. You know, in doing these interviews, it's kind of been interesting to me to hear other people, uh, reporters, you know, they write for, you know, ESPN or they may write for a local paper or may just be doing a news interview. But they've all kind of been taken away, and they all see things in, in a different light. And early on, people could say he's good in the locker room. And I, and I think that's a big thing is he just gets the locker room. Um he loved those guys in there. Um, he was the guy who would always come to me and tell me, hey, coach, it's so-and-so's birthday today. So when we're, oh, we get together, nice. then huddled up, you know, you're telling that. So that leader in him was always there. But yet you'd go in the locker room when the kids are, you know, getting out of the shower and stuff, and he's in there 
having a good time and being a typical teenage kid with his buddies in there. But he just he loves everything about competition, the field, and then that locker room and the brotherhood that's in there. And, you know, I mean, just a great kid. God, you are not making it easy for me. To, I'm a Raiders fan. I'm rooting against this guy. You are not making this easy for me. Uh, we appreciate the time. Uh, let me just, as many kids as you've been around, and I know a lot of them are special, how often now do you do you end up telling Patrick Mahomes stories to all of the kids that are coming up that are watching him do what he does? Well, you know, it's so funny today when I was talking to the tennis kids. I mean, I didn't, I didn't necessarily give a story, but you know, the being given this opportunity to have people like yourselves call and want to talk about it, it brings back, you know, memories and stories. I was like, all right, that I kind of start piecing together and all, uh, you know. But it's neat, and I and today, kind of what I share with that tennis team is the question I always get asked. You know, what is it that you know Patrick would say to kids, or what is it? And just watching Patrick, watching his career and everything. The thing that I would say that he would probably say and really that he's, I guess, lived out in front of us is, you know, just, you know, take advantage of every opportunity you get and understand you never know what that's going to look like. You know, as an athlete, you kind of plan in your head, hey, it's all going to look exactly like this. You know, I'm, I'm going to get drafted and I'm going to go to this number or, you know, I'm going to go to Texas Tech where as a senior you're looking at Baker Mayfield's the guy that's there, you know, and then. It just it never works out that way. You just have to prepare in a way that when that opportunity comes up and, and you know, presents itself that you're ready and poised to take it. And so, you know, I love just sharing some of the old stories that I see. I look back and find myself kind of reflecting and trying to see, like, uh, the leadership point in it, you know what I mean, or the sports psychology to what what it's like inside Patrick Mahomes' head, you know. And uh, so I really enjoy doing that and trying to share that with some kids and then looking at his parents even, the way that his, his mom and dad, you know, raised him and some things that I can remember with his dad and all. It's just it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm just very blessed to be able to be in that position to look and, and see it from that perspective of this guy who now everybody's watching on, you know, a Sunday and you're just trying to figure him out. And uh, it was been very blessed to have a front row seat to it, I guess. Well, we appreciate your time, your insights, your Mahomes stories. Again, you've made it tougher for me to root against a guy. But that's the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Adam Cook, Coach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for having me on here and giving me this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Have a good day, guys. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And it's Monday. One of our favorite things to do that we do every single week is we analyze some of the analysis from our analysts. Boy, that was difficult for me to say, and I'm proud that I even made it through. Nailed it. We do it only the way we can with Good Take, Hot Take. Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes. takes. Just take the damn ball and let him decide. That's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. That's right. We'll play a little bit of something from one of our guys and uh, or girls, and we'll tell you then whether we think it's a good or a hot take. Sarah, are you ready to start the fun? Stay ready, man. Okay. <laughs> 
Oh, there's that level of Monday energy you're going to get here. All right, so let's start with our hot take, good take, good take, hot take MVP, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst. He was on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin this morning talking about Matt Stafford and what the trade means for the Rams. It's a home run for the Los Angeles Rams. Listen, the Rams right now are in a two-year window. They're not building for the long term. They have chosen to go from good to great, or at least take the chance to go from good to great. And they wanted to pair two greats together. Like Sean McVay's a great offensive mind. He's a great head coach, and they're going to pair him with a great quarterback. And so for the Rams, this now vaults them to that top three or four list when it comes to Super Bowl contenders next year, especially in the NFC, guys. Like the NFC, there's question marks. Green Bay's at the top. But they have some pieces that they're going to have to try to re-sign. We'll see what happens with some of the pieces in Tampa Bay, obviously. But this was a no-brainer for the Los Angeles Rams. It gives Matthew Stafford the opportunity to actually be on a really competent football team. And so I love the move for them. Sarah, you buying a good take or hot take? There are elements of hotness, but I'm going to say it's a good take. Um, Yeah, I'm going to say it's a good take because, to me... If you know that you don't think you can get where you want to go with Goff, and there are people that might argue that. I know Mina Kimes was throwing out some statistics about his success levels, but there are aspects of him that are very clearly not up to snuff. 24th out of 29 quarterbacks in QBR when he's pressured. He's accurate when he gets those looks in play action that he wants, and outside of that protection and that setup, he falls apart. And if you know he's not your guy, moving on from him, even if it costs you a lot in picks, is better than getting stuck somewhere. And there are plenty of teams and fans of teams who will say, this ain't it. Like, we need to be excited and and have hope every year. The Rams give them that. Now, I think it's like when we try to grade the draft the night of. We don't know yet the cost that those future picks will have, whether or not they can sustain this over the rest of the next five, six, seven years, or if what they've done is sold out for this window and then find it really hard to rebuild when it closes. Yeah, that's a fair point, but I do think that the entire take overall is a is a good take, and uh, largely to what you just said, not only is there some element of who is Jared Goff, but let's remember that Goff struggled with Jeff Fisher and then all of a sudden found a new life with Sean McVay. I just wonder if in that first chapter of his new life he really also found his ceiling, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out quickly. If he goes to Detroit and has success, as laughable as that may seem so often, if he's able to do it, then we'll see. But one thing to keep in mind is that Stafford, when he had a competent coach named Jim Caldwell, looked great as a quarterback. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's capable of doing. Now, there are other sides to this. Keyshawn Johnson was on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin in the morning, talked about the Stafford trade and what it must mean, how it should play out for the Rams to be worth it. That's one of those bets that it better pay off, man. You've got you've to at least get to the Super Bowl at some point in Stafford's career as a Ram. But just getting there isn't what you pay for because you were there already. You're paying to win the Super Bowl. Now, if Matthew Stafford is the guy that could get them over the hump to win the Super Bowl, Jay, then it's well worth it. But if you wind up in a situation just getting to the Super Bowl or less, then it wasn't worth it. Mm. <laughs> Sarah, good take, hot take. That's a hot take. That's a hot take. Unfortunately, listen, there is a temptation, and he's not the only one saying it, that when you get to a certain level, that whatever piece you go out and grab and add to that, if the only place to go up from there is to win the Super Bowl, then it's a failure otherwise. But if they were going to be mired in the golf situation, understanding that they couldn't go anywhere with it for the next four years, getting out from under that 
and giving themselves a chance with a former number one overall pick who we think could do a lot more if not restrained by one of the losingest franchises in the in in the league, then go for it. Go for it because whatever success you might have, even if it isn't a Super Bowl, is certainly better than watching your window be wasted by someone that you've already decided isn't the guy. I think to me this is a hot take for the simple explanation of – uh, who they think they, they would be, even with those first-round picks in Jared Goff. Do they believe that they're a 13-3 and three type team that can win, uh, or do they believe that this trade makes them better? And better doesn't have to mean Super Bowl. Better just has to mean better than they would be if they had all of yeah. the other pieces. You're right. It'll take years to know that. But if the only test for, for the greatness of any trade is a Super Bowl, then most trades are absolutely right. worthless. I'm not going to hold that standard to this situation. Kirk Cousins got in on some of the good take, hot take fun. That's right. Even if you play in the NFL, We'll still throw you uh, into this category. He was on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning talking about Brady's longevity. He set the bar high for the rest of us to follow, that's for sure. But, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the rest of us coming behind him can, uh, you know, get to the Super Bowl at some point. You know, if he keeps staying around in the NFC, it's going to be tough. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So here's why this is a good take, because I think he starts with the optimism that one would when they're normally ready to spew cliches about – I'm looking for my shot. I'm ready to go. And then he catches himself and he's like, at least one, right? Like we're talking about Tom Brady's 10th and he's not like, Hey, you know, maybe one day I'll reach that number. He's like, maybe one day I'll get one, but as long as he's here, it's going to be difficult. That is an accurate take is what that is. Yeah. I'm all in on that. That, that is absolutely a good take Two a tongue of a low, by the way, was on Greeny with Mike Greenberg. This is what he had to say about trade talks. Well, I've never heard that conversation uh, you know, live on, on ESPN or any of the, the channels. Uh, you know, really, I found out from my, my agent. Uh, I had no idea that that was going on. Mm. No, but at the end of the day, that's, that's not something that, you know, I can control. Uh, I just got to focus on what I can control um, and just got to continue to get better. You know, my job is to try to help our team win games and to also help our offense contribute to a, uh, our team's success. So that's what I, I got to focus on. And I you know this offseason gives me that opportunity to get better in those areas. Sarah, such a hot. What is he? He was sitting there, had no idea. And suddenly his agent called him and said, wait, there's trade rumors. And he said, what? That's a hot take, right? Sean Watson, who's this guy? My agent <laughs> had to fill me in. <laughs> I'd, I'd never heard of any of that, uh, but he finished it off with some good quarterback speed. Coming up next, we'll get into an interesting Super Bowl media day with one of our favorites on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We didn't get any proposals at media day. No one dressed as a mascot, no marching band. It felt very chill. So we thought we'd bring someone on to remind us of the good days of media week and also tell us what she's chasing this Super Week. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and joining us now, ESPN NFL reporter Diana Rossini. Rossini, thanks for making time for us. Hi, guys. Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head in terms of <laughs> it was a pretty calm media day, and, and I think we all kind of expected that. It's a Monday. The Chiefs aren't even here. But the thing that they did that I just wish they didn't do um, was the players and the coaches couldn't see the people asking the questions. And sometimes that's the fun dynamic of yeah. the interaction between all the different reporters. So, you know, most of the questions were just voices to these guys. And I think if they just l- let us look at or let them look at us, I think it probably would have given it a little bit more flavor. 
because I could tell today I had the Chiefs um, on Zoom, you know, pretty much all of them, and I could tell they were in the mood to get into it. Like, they wanted to have some fun. All right. If they had seen, I mean, Diana, you could see everybody. Was there anybody in, like, a funky chicken outfit or maybe, like, a mascot (laughs) costume, something? Okay, so now the second layer of why it stunk. They didn't let (laughs) us see each other. What? What? Yep. So it was just the name and then a question, and you can only ask one, which that also makes it difficult because you're, you know, starting to sweat, like, what's going to be my one question? And, you know, I'm obviously covering the Chiefs for ESPN, TV, radio, everything. So my one question, it can't just be like, you know, what do you, what do you eat the night before the game? Right. I have to probably get some game stuff. So I didn't get to ask anything fun I really wanted to, to get into, but – I don't know. I kind of feel like in this world, there's no rules anymore. So <laughs> tomorrow morning, Mahomes is, is Zooming again with us. I may just go for it and just, just ask some fun stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to have some sound bites for you tomorrow to play on the show. I'm now just picturing some guy, because it's usually a guy, not always, TV Azteca shows up, but I'm picturing a guy dressed in like a full chicken suit who spent all day compiling the best chicken puns to just nail it. And they're sitting there like, wow, I can't believe I wasted all this time. Like, that's well, making me sad, You know sad, what I actually. did on Monday, so yeah. there we go. <laughs> it's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Diana Rossini. Diana, it's I mean, because- how many of these have you covered? It- like, you've, you've seen all of that magic before. I've seen it. This is actually my first Super Bowl I've ever covered, Sarah. So what? Uh, all this is kind of, yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, at ESPN, you know, uh, you know, seniority roles here. And, and, you know, we've had amazing reporters covered for years. And, uh, I guess I just had to get old, and now here's my <laughs> chance. So, uh, you know, it, you know what's funny, too, is the answers, the best answers today from Andy Reid and, and Travis Kelsey and even Patrick Mahomes, they came from the international reporters who asked the most simple, basic questions. And I thought it was just such an interesting study. I don't know if it was because they had accents, because I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, man, if I had, a, like, a, a British accent, I bet you <laughs> I'd get a better answer. Because they're answering everyone from Australia and New Zealand. They're, they're answering those with amazing answers. So maybe that's what I do this week. Because if they can't see me, I might as well just, <laughs> you know, pull out the, the good old accents. And, not you know, the range I have. Um, I've got to, I can do any country. So I should give it a try. Yeah, you do. I think you just need to change the title on your Zoom to your mom's name. And ask it as your mom and see if they think, you know, just put put your name as Diana's mom so that when they call on you, they're like, oh, nice, sweet lady found her way into the Zoom. <laughs> Let me give her the good uh, stuff. I'm st- no, I'm still thinking That's that I'm going to spend bit. all day working I, on like my I'll do a British accent and a chicken suit and Diana just get us <laughs> into the Zoom tomorrow. And I got this all handled. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I always think it's interesting when we see media days, you can see some teams seem a little more relaxed. Some players seem a little more uptight. Like, were you able, even on a Zoom, to get any sense of sort of how the players are feeling through this process? The Chiefs are so difficult to cover just because they are so confident and chill. Uh, and this is like, it almost felt like old hat to them, which is working to their advantage. And, you know, I would say the biggest thing going for them is the fact that they're not here in Tampa because, you know, Mahomes is explaining it pretty simply. He's like, everything we're doing here is what we do all the time, all season long. This is like a regular season road game for us now because they're coming in on Saturday night. Like, it's think wild. About they're coming in Saturday night for the Super Bowl. It's incredible. So I think they're just locked in. And, and this is why – 
I, I think we're going to see a pretty good performance because of that. And, and Andy Reid even said, he's like, they've been really humble this week and focused and, you know, the media obligations have cut down. There's no distractions. And it just seems like they're so down for the way this is going. And unfortunately, you know, we're, they're doing this because of COVID, but um, they're taking full advantage of it. Diana, I'm curious, is there any concern at all of, you know, the plane breaks down or, I mean, it just, that feels risky to me. I get maybe two days before the Super Bowl, don't leave your rooms, but the day before? So I asked the same question because we were reporting a couple of days ago that it was Saturday. And then a couple of the people I was talking to in Kansas City was like, eh, Andy's thinking maybe Friday. Because that would make sense. So going back to what you just pointed out, right? All the you know problems, who knows? Maybe just a day to settle in. You know, something a, a player that played in the Super Bowl pointed out to me earlier in the week was, you know, when you're on the road, your training room is moved into the hotel room. Um, nothing is yours, and it's not comfortable. And there's just a lot of logistics that, that just there's a lot of people involved and a lot of things involved. And we know these guys are creatures of habit, and they just want things their way. And, you know, like you said, coming in that late on Saturday afternoon to set everything up and get them ready to go, uh, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a lot of work, but I mean, fingers crossed that they, that they don't run into any problems. Snow, you know, what, what if it was a weather delay? Right. Uh, there's, right. there's so, there's so many things. They're taking a big risk here. Um, but they're, they're to them. The bigger risk is COVID. Hmm. We're talking to ESPN NFL reporter, Diana Rossini. So Diana, I, I think this is all really interesting to the beginning of the game because so often we talk about how the strangeness of the Super Bowl and athletes are such creatures of routine that it impacts the beginning of the game for some people. This At this point, Tampa feels like it's a home game. Kansas City feels like it's a road game. There aren't going to be a lot of people in the crowd. I mean, does that sort of calm everybody down and get rid of some of the Super Bowl jitters at the beginning of the game in your mind? Yeah, we were talking about that actually with Travis Kelsey today, just how the whole space is going to feel different and but at the same time, they've played here. They played the they played the Bucks already. They've played at the at the stadium, so everyone just seems very comfortable. And you know, Tom Brady was talking about. You know, I'm sure you guys discussed it on the show tonight. How he kicked his family out. They're out for 12 days, and he's just mentally locked in. And all it is is football. So I think in terms of the most comfortable game we will ever see in terms of the Super Bowl, it's going to be this one. Because everyone is just kind of going about this like the regular season and just the worried about football and football only. Uh, Diana, you haven't been at the Super Bowl, at least uh, covering it quite the same way. But I've seen you at Super Bowl week before. I believe we starred in a Katie Nolan joint last year uh, trying to figure out which reporters uh, could, could interact with athletes without being accused of sleeping with them. It was part of that women ruining sports stuff. Good stuff on, uh, on Always Late. Uh, so you've been around for Super Weeks before. What does it feel like down there? I know it's only Monday, but is there any buzz at all? Would you know if you were an average person who wasn't a big sports fan that a Super Bowl was going to be there? So when you grow up in the New York, New Jersey area, most of your older grandparents, aunts and uncles buy a condo in Florida that you hear <laughs> about. You never really go and visit them, but you hear about it. This is what I. This is where they live, I think. <laughs> That's the feeling. Um, it's early, though. It's early, you know, but... Um, you know, the, the airport was fun. You know, they had people greet us. Everyone says hi. You know, um, I had a pirate check me in. Um, so that was cool. But, like, you know, there, there, there are things. But, you know, like as you, as you alluded to or as you pointed out, like I've, I've been to 
probably 10 Super Bowls as a party goer and as just to go and be part of the fun as a reporter, but also because just it's fun. Um, I, I don't feel that here. Not, not, not yet. In fact, you know, our colleague and friend Nina Kimes is coming down here and she was asking me tonight, like, Hey, what's the deal down there? I'm like, hmm, bring a jacket. It's freezing. <laughs> Uh, don't I'm say sure that to us, Dan. We're, we're in a blizzard, so I know, don't I say know, that to I know. us. I have to be, my, I've my plowed my driveway four times today, Diana. <laughs> I, I know. So, I'm, you know. So, I'm really sorry. I'm being insensitive. But you know it's how it chilly. goes. It's chilly. It's chilly. It's chilly. Well, you know, you had it into so I, You know, I brought, like, little cute T-shirts and all this fun stuff. I mean, I can't wear any of that. I, I, I actually have the jacket that I wore uh, to Newark Airport, which, when it was 30 degrees, I wore that today. Because it's, I mean, it's right now, uh, yeah. hold on, I'm looking at a thermometer. It's 36 degrees outside. Wow. Okay. That I'll give chilly. it to you. Chilly. It's chilly. That's downright chilly. <laughs> For Florida? Yeah. For Florida. Man, um, get those get those grandparents some jackets. Uh, Diana, this was fun. I know you've been super busy. So thanks for the insight. I'm, I'm really fascinated by the Zoom. Just everybody's a, a blank screen. That's wild. Um, we look forward to more updates from you throughout the week. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll pop on. I love talking to both of you. Yeah, Thanks, and we we want to we want to hear how your mom's question goes on the Zoom. So let us know. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. I got to figure it out, but we're going to do it. Oh, perfect. Uh, Diana Rossini with us here, ESPN NFL reporter from Tampa. Can, like, can I have Amazon like send her a chicken suit on our behalf? Like, that would be amazing. Okay. I don't oh, know if that's God. her style. I think she's a very respected reporter. Maybe one of those. I like, think one of us would have to do that. <laughs> that's maybe more. Maybe I could style. get one of those dinosaur inflatable things. Ooh, the ter- like yeah, the Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah, ones. Yeah, Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, <laughs> making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Coming up, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green bringing the heat. We'll tell you what they said next. ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Super week. We are going to be talking, obviously, lots of Super Bowl all week long. Great guests lined up. Tons of our own personal stories from various Super Weeks. Uh, All the big storylines heading into Sunday. So we got you covered on the football front. But there's some other stuff going on in sports. And when we get sound like this, there's just absolutely no way we could deny you it. You need to hear it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Speaking of things you need to hear, today's pre-party. When the podcast goes up a little bit after the show ends, uh, you will hear me rant for 15 minutes about my day. And it involves um, it involves it's feces I mean, and a bathroom. Glorious. And, um, well, a lot of times feces and a bathroom are involved. Unrelated. The feces happened outside of the bathroom unrelated bathroom incidents anyway i don't i don't want to get i don't want to give it away i can't you know you need to subscribe to the podcast and give it a listen the pre-party is uh it's good stuff uh first of all i want to mention that the nba is going on and we are going to get even more into it once football is over there's just so much going on right now but fit some of the storylines are absolutely wild did you happen to catch any of the nets last night and first of all uh worldwide wob had a a camera kind of focus, or at least he, he grabbed all the highlights where the camera was focused on Bradley Beal in the first half, just standing. Couldn't have been less interested in the basketball game that he was participating in as the Nets and Wizards played, um, probably trying to make a point of how much he wants to get out of there. And yet, despite Bradley Beal standing for the whole first half and being wholly uninterested, the Wizards still ended up beating the Nets 149 to 146. Okay. This game did not go into overtime, and it was 149 to 146. And the Nets' defense does not exist. 
I mean, maybe they're saving themselves. Like, you know, we were talking about how LeBron is conserving energy. Maybe the Nets have looked around and said, you know what? Let's just play video game basketball, have a good time with each other, throw the ball around a lot, score a bunch of points, and we'll worry about defense when it's the playoffs. Like, that's the only thing I can try to make sense of it. Well, they better. because So the Wizards fell 18 points down in the first quarter. (laughs) Their bench comes in and starts to care a bit more than the aforementioned Bradley Beal standing around. And then at the end, once they're in it, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are like, all right, we'll we'll get after it. And they went 8-0, 8-0 run in the last 8.1 seconds. They scored 8 points in 8.1 seconds, kept the Nets off the board, and won the game. They are doing historic things at the offensive level on the Nets and equally as historically bad defensively. In like the history of the NBA, this all is Harden not going to work. Right now is they're making history all over the place. That's all they're hearing. I mean, like you know, he, he's he's just picking. They're picking and choosing their battles, Sarah, early on on whether or not they choose to play any defense whatsoever. And by the way, I saw a lot of people tweeting at at all the Beal stuff with him standing around and not high fiving his teammates at one point that. You know, this is not what you want to put on tape if you want to be traded. No, no, no. You're Bradley Beal. You're going to get to go wherever you want, however you want, when they can put the package together, no matter what you do or don't do on the court right now. Let's not yeah. get it. I'd like to say that was true, but we saw what happened with Harden. It was literally like, make things as terrible as possible and you'll get what you want. And unfortunately, and sometimes that's how it works. It's Spain and Fitz talking a little NBA. So here's the sound I promised. It's just so good. So let me set this up for you. Uh, the Pistons and the Warriors faced off last night. At the end of the game, Rodney Magruder, Pistons guard, didn't like some of the verbal shots that the Warriors had taken uh, at, at at teammates. And so Rodney Magruder tried to confront rookie Juan Toscano-Anderson after the game. I guess, you know, uh, wanted to say something about something that had happened uh, on, on the bench earlier. And this is what Clay Thompson and Draymond Green had to say about Magruder afterwards. Rodney Magruder. Oh no, this dude might be out the league soon. He's probably mad about that. Who knows? Wow, shots fired. <laughs> you over here checking my guy. You good, Draymond? What happened at the end there with Magruder? I don't know. I was in the locker room, uh, but uh, apparently he was um, taking up for Wayne Ellington. When the f- Rodney Magruder become the tough guy of the team? Like, I don't know, man. Everybody in the league tough these days. It's crazy. I've seen a lot of tough guys this year. I don't understand it. And and, and don't nobody do anything. So, like, if you really wanted to do something, you could have done it. Walk over there talking <laughs> like he's a team tough guy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> tough guy, Rodney. Rodney. <laughs> tough guy. Right. Um. So, the... The sound is hilarious. I've got no problems with Magruder, and I I do feel like uh, maybe they went too far. Not necessary to say he's going to be out of the league suit and and a bunch of bleeping bleeping not a tough guys. Uh, but all I could think of afterwards, no offense to Magruder, was this. Magruder making life saving inventions out of household materials. Magruder getting in and out of ultra sticky situations. How could you think of anything else? Like when they're like, Magruder, Rodney. 
<laughs> that's I mean, all I could every think Every single time I heard his name, that's all I could think about was that they were saying it. And if he doesn't change that to the intro music whenever his name is called, like anytime he does anything in the arena, they should blame McGrober at the end of it just to, just to make my heart happy. I mean, that's all. I, I want him to stay in the league as long as possible so that we can keep referencing McGruber. That's all I need. Yeah, what I really want is when they do the opening lineup, you know, uh, for the Pistons as they're as they're announcing, you know, Blake Griffin forward, you know, I do it all normal, and then all of a sudden, last up, and it's just McGruder. <laughs> I mean, if so I were great. calling the game because I'm not professional, every time he yeah. did anything, yeah, we well, went over this. You'd be in just, a chicken yeah, suit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'd be in a chicken suit with the British British accent, and I'd say McGruder <laughs> with the dunk. I mean, that was just every time, every time. That I wasn't a British accent. accent. Can you try again? No, I can't do an accent. Like I, I need, I need years to practice that, Sarah. You know, I can't. <laughs> good to know. Come on. We've got NBA on ABC Saturday. Uh, Lakers at the Celtics. The Monday Roundup brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the AutoZone. Sorry, get in the zone. AutoZone. Lakers at Celtics, see? man. Yeah. Did you see that? Like, I thought the incredible thing to me out of that game last Saturday was that. You know, realistically, I was watching it thinking, okay, what can the Celtics do against the Lakers? And the answer is we can do every – I mean, I know Kemba Walker imploded, but it really felt like one of those games where everything the Celtics were trying to do until the fourth quarter went really well, and the Lakers – we're sort of into it, and the Lakers still won. I know it was a close game, Sarah, but I didn't, I didn't walk away from it less confident in the Lakers. I just walked away thinking, man, if I'm the Celtics, I'm just peeved that I fell apart in the fourth quarter, but I also just got Lakered. Like, in the fourth quarter, the Lakers are like, ah, I guess we'll get into this thing now, and they, uh, they come away with the win. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the story of the regular season is – what what can you get from every game with the Lakers? Are you helping yourself figure out how to beat them in the long run? Or are you even just getting the the, the Lakers that you're going to see in the long run? Because on any given night, they kind of just decide how into it they are. It kind of reminds me of how we talked about the Chiefs this year. Now in football, you don't get to take nights off the same way. But you can get a little bored, fall behind, and then work your way back in. To me, it feels like the Lakers know that they're good enough to just decide, mm, this is a night we can work on something, and this is a night we can kind of not show up as much. There's a big difference between having hot dogs with Joey Chestnut and taking Joey Chestnut on in a hot dog eating contest. Right now, it feels like wow. the whole NBA is just having hot dogs with Joey Chestnut. That That's was got, brilliant. Sarah. That was brilliant. <laughs> 49ers tight end George Kittle is going to be on with Greeny tomorrow, 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. Freddie Fitzsimmons coming up next. Hot dogs. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.